Welcome to the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast, where it is never too early for fantasy football. My name is Jeff. And I'm Alex. As always, thank you for downloading, listening, liking, and commenting on our podcast videos. Please join our community by subscribing to us on the socials. Our handle on all platforms is at N2E Fantasy. We are available on all major podcasting apps by searching N2E Fantasy. Alex, what do we have on today's show? On this episode of the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast, we are covering all the news from the Week 16 matchups, including injuries uh, and going over insights for fantasy players. I know this is the semifinals week for fantasy players, so we will discuss all the games accordingly. We can get started with the Thursday night matchup, which was the Saints at the Rams. And Jeff, we both got this correct. We both picked the Rams, and they, in fact, won 30-22. What were your thoughts on this matchup? So Stafford continues his late season tear, and I just don't know where this is coming from right now, but uh, it is something that is uh, very noticeable with the Rams right now as they can they continue their late season surge towards the playoffs. But I do notice in a lot of their games that they are allowing teams to come back late and make it a game late. So they're going to have to clean a little bit of that up as they do get towards the playoffs. And we're going to figure out if they make the playoffs in our next episode as we run another playoff simulator to figure out who is going to be in the playoffs as of right now. Also, Puka Nakua went off with nine for 164 and one. I hope everyone started him. I know I benched him in one league and I started him in a bunch of other leagues. But uh, yeah, he just continues to go on a tear. He's going to he's going to set the rookie receiving record this year, which Stafford will have the Top two receiving records as far as yardages with uh, Kelvin Johnson and Cooper Cup. And he will also have the rookie of the year with Puka Nakua. So Stafford continues a quietly great career. And I think it's so quiet because he's, he played so long in Detroit when Detroit was pretty terrible. Um, and then Kyron Williams and Chris Olave also have big games as well. Any other takeaways from this matchup, Alex? Oh, man. Uh, Demarcus Robinson has continued his touchdown streak. That's four weeks in a row that he has gotten a touchdown. So he's he's hot right now. So you guys might uh, benefit by uh, picking him up if he's still in free agency and starting him pretty soon. Uh, Alvin Kamara had a terrible week, I know, because I, I started him and it didn't go very well. So I'm I'm hoping that the Saints fix their, uh, their, their woes going forward, but it might be too late for some of you guys who uh, started them. Yeah, absolutely. I started Kamara in two leagues as well, and I barely survived, but I did. Um, <laughs> um, all right, so we can move on to matchup number two, and we're on to our Saturday matchup. So we did get a, a lovely triple header on Saturday, and I loved it. And the first matchup was the Bengals at the Steelers. Unfortunately, we weren't as lucky on this matchup and did not get this one correct. But Alex, I'll let you go ahead with a few takeaways from this matchup. Well, Jake Browning completely cratered and came back to earth with the three interceptions here. He did throw for 335 yards, but it wasn't enough to uh, to come back. T. Higgins had his best week of the year with 140 yards and a touchdown off of five catches. Um, wasn't much for the Bengals in this one, and it looks like Christmas came early for, for Mason Rudolph, and he had probably the best 
performance of a quarterback in, in Pittsburgh just to uh, prove me wrong. Um, I'm going to give him the Christmas bump. I don't know if he can repeat it, but George Pickens, 195 yards and two touchdowns after uh, some people have been saying that the Steelers should move on from him. He had his best week of the year. Deontay Johnson was a complete no-show, and it looks like Najee Harris led uh, the charge for the rushing, uh, for the running back group for Pittsburgh. Uh, Jalen Warren didn't really contribute much, so good for the Steelers to have a bounce-back win. I still don't expect them to get uh, wins for the rest of the year, though. So, Jeff, did I miss anything here? Not too much. Uh, just I am very surprised that Mason Rudolph, because I know you were – dead set against him last week you said this was their worst quarterback but he actually made george pickens look like a thing like i know it was only four catches for 195 yards and two touchdowns but george pickens just kind of proved that he's that talent if you get him the ball he can score and that's something that kenny pickett hasn't done and it does sound like this week uh it'll be mason rudolph again and i think the really interesting thing is when um Rudolph and Pickett are 100%. Who is going to be the starter? I don't know if you saw the Pittsburgh crowd, but they were chanting for Mason Rudolph, and Kenny Pickett did not look too happy with the crowd chanting that, which the crowd has been great with chants all year because that was they they wanted Cable fired. Uh, or no, they wanted um, Matt Canada yeah. fired. Yes. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I was confusing him and Tom Cable for a second there. Uh, they wanted uh, They wanted Canada fired as well. Uh, and they were chanting that from the crowd. So they are a very lively bunch. And uh, I did not follow my own advice this week. I started Warren over Harris. And Harris, again, took it to the Bengals second time this year. So always pay attention to what a previous matchup does, especially as we get to some divisional matchups down the stretch. And we've already seen them play it once. But that is all I have on that matchup, Alex. Okay. Well, we can move on to the Bills at the Chargers. And, we both picked the Bills in this one, and they did win in a very close game. Uh, they won 24-22. to 22. Chargers made it a ball game. This is one that you said might be a trap game, but the Bills ultimately were too good to, to lose to the Chargers at this point. Jeff, what were your takeaways in this one? So, yeah, the Bills almost got caught off guard with a new coach and a new scheme and a new defensive scheme, and this was like the perfect trap for them. Um. So Gabe Davis was actually the star in this one for the Bills. It wasn't James Cook, like we predicted. What wasn't Stefan Diggs, which we've said stay away from Diggs right now because he's still missing. He's still on that milk carton. And I do think that the Bills and Diggs might part ways at the end of this season. And the Bills are kind of seeing what that looks like right now. Any other takeaways in this one? I didn't really get anything great from the Chargers. And it's really hard to get something great, especially with Easton Stick uh, starting. I think it was hard for them to get anything going because Eckler has not been uh, very efficient, very good this year. And I think that, you know, with Keenan Allen being out, the offense is kind of depressed in that way too. In my opinion, they couldn't really get anything going. And um, I know that the score was closer, but I think that that has a lot more to do with the, the defensive pressure than anything else. But uh, the Chargers, I think they'll they'll bounce back next year for sure when everyone's healthy. Yeah, and they'll have a new coach, and they'll have obviously the best quarterback option of any of the coaches can get, like a known commodity with a young quarterback. So hopefully they hire offensively, and they and they kind of take off next year. And the division appears to be ripe for the taking, as we'll get to what happened to the Chiefs a little bit later. All right, okay, anything else well, on this matchup, Alex? No, I think that's it for me. We can move on to the Browns at Texans, and 
we both picked the Browns, and the Browns, in fact, did win. Um, Damian Pierce trying to make it a game with that really long um, return touchdown. I'm kind of surprised because he looked pretty spry out there. I'm surprised that he can't replicate that from the running back position, so I don't know exactly what's going on there, but I think he proved that he's capable of it with that return run. But Joe Flacco tearing apart the Texans' defense there and narrowing it down to basically Mari Cooper and David Njoku, pretty much just zeroing in on those two guys, and mostly Cooper. Um, that definitely bit me in more than one league because I faced Cooper in a couple different playoff matchups this week, and it's not it's not fun when someone drops a 40-burger on you, but it happens. Um, Joe Flacco, I, I every week I feel like I keep saying he is the best quarterback for this Brown system that's, that was available. I think he's better than Watson. I think it makes him look silly for trading for Watson and giving him so much money when Joe Flacco off the, the street is already better than him, and Joe Flacco is pushing 40. So I, I think that they're a legitimate playoff team, and I think that they're going to give some team struggles uh, early on in the playoffs. I don't know if they'll go the distance, but I just keep imagining this team with Nick Chubb, and I feel like they would be a lot better. Um, not much going for the Texans side. They decided to go with a very uh, intriguing rotation of quarterbacks. Like each each drive, they rotated quarterbacks, which made no sense to me. Just pick one and roll with it. And Davis Mills was the better quarterback. Uh, he's the one who finished the game. He had two touchdowns and zero turnovers. Case Keenum had two interceptions. Uh, they would have been better suited with just Mills starting this whole game. Uh, oh, the offensive weapons here didn't really do much for the Texans. So not much to write home about for this matchup and it was uh one to forget for me so how did you feel about the split i didn't really like that because it's really hard for a quarterback to get into a rhythm but anything from your perspective was there any shock there yeah i thought it was dumb and it, i feel like it's something that only uh only a defensive-minded head coach would employ so that's one of the negative sides to having a defensive-minded head coach i think that they should have just rolled with mills the whole time yeah, especially because he was the more efficient one. So now that is interesting that they didn't go Mills before they squeaked out a win last week. And now they they obviously didn't. This game wasn't even that close on the scoreboard at all. So yeah. and this was a game that if they might have kept Mills in, they could have kept it a lot closer and they might have been able to take one from the Browns to remain in playoff contention, which they still are. But it's just surprising to see a team in playoff contention get blown out this far by what is the fourth quarterback to start a game for the Browns this year? So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the Browns Browns might have been a Super Bowl favorite with Watson and Chubb in here, and 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 we can't sleep on them next season. But that is pretty much all I have in this matchup. Anything else that you would like to add to your Texans before we move on to uh, another one of your teams? Oh, I just want. CJ Stroud to come back healthy, and I want Nico Collins to be healthy, and I want Damian Pierce to get involved more. That's all I can ask for at this point. Do we think Stroud's come back comes back healthy this season? It's very unusual for a quarterback to miss three weeks for concussion protocol. Like I don't know how severe that concussion was, but three weeks seems like a stretch. I'm, I mean, they have a playoff opportunities, so it's not like they want to just rest them for the rest of the year. So it's really tough. Um, if it is actually bad, then by all means, keep him out this week. But if if he's healthy and good to go, I would love to see him 
uh, compete for a playoff spot because we are officially tied eight and six with both the Colts and the Jaguars. So I think that uh, actually eight and seven, sorry, excuse me. All three of us are competing for the division lead in a playoff spot. So I would like to see the, the Texans be competitive. Yeah. Um, but Stroud reportedly was still having light sensitivity. And that is a big deal right now. So we'll see what happens with um, with his improvement this week. And hopefully he's able to start because they do have a playoff spot on the line in the next couple of weeks. All right. Let's move on to our next matchup. And it is the Lions at the Vikings, which the Lions is another one of your teams. And the Lions did win this game. But this game was much closer than we probably thought it was going to be. Um, Alex, what were some takeaways from this game, and why wasn't it as close? Why was it as close as uh, it was? I thought Jared Goff played pretty well in this one. He just didn't get the number of touchdowns that you would have wanted. And I thought Jameer Gibbs and Montgomery both looked pretty solid, although Gibbs looked more electric uh, in this matchup. And Amon Ross and Brown played really well with uh, 12 receptions, 116 yards, and a touchdown. He was basically the best receiving option this week um as far as the vikings mullins looked pretty terrible with four interceptions but he threw the ball so many times he ended up with 411 yards through the air and all it takes is for someone like justin jefferson to get a few long catches and he ended up with six catches for 141 yards and a touchdown and so i think he made it a ball game kj osborne stepped up this week as well uh so that was interesting over Jordan Addison, who only had that one catch off four targets. Aston, I think, might have gotten banged up in this one. Um, but TJ Hawkinson's always a threat. So, I mean, Detroit's defense made some penalties that also helped uh, Minnesota get into good field position. But Detroit was the better team by far. And I felt like they could have had like eight interceptions in this one. So, Jeff, what did I miss in this? I can't believe the four interceptions. Um, I just, I, the Vikings each week, are, it's making Cousins look better and better and better and better each week. And I don't know if you saw the interaction between Goff and Cousins, where basically he told Goff that he's on a tear right now and go kill it in the playoffs. Like, Kirk Cousins just seems like a guy that should be at the helm for the Vikings here for the next couple of years. And that would also get Justin Jefferson back signed with them. And Justin Jefferson would be much happier. Justin Jefferson with, with Kirk Cousins back there. Addison would get fed. Hawkinson would get fed. And then Chandler that does appear to be the better of the two backs. This particular game, he saves his day with a with a touchdown. But if Mullins didn't throw the four picks in this game, I think this game might have been flipped the other way. I think maybe the Vikings would have won this matchup. I mean, maybe. But I felt like Detroit was playing relatively conservative most of the game because they were going to have the lead. So. Yeah. Detroit would have played more vertically if that was the case. And Jameer Gibbs and uh, Jamison Williams keep taking steps to becoming the uh, number two receiver for Williams and the number one running back for Gibbs, because I think he is out-touching Montgomery at this point, but they're pretty close to a 50-50 still. Montgomery is getting the goal line action. But I don't really have much else on this particular game other than the four picks was almost as many points as the Vikings lost in this game. So. They lost by six, but they threw four picks. All right. Well, let's move on to your two favorite teams, and that is the Green Bay Packers versus the Carolina Panthers. And we both picked the Packers 
in this one. We both were correct. But I know how much you love Jordan Love and uh, Bryce Young here. So I'll let you get started on this matchup. I'm lukewarm on Jordan Love these days, um, but he's throwing to a skeleton crew right now because he lost Wicks, Watson, and Musgrave so far. So, like, I don't know if we're getting, like, a full picture of Jordan Love this season. He did get Aaron Jones back, who did look good with a full workload. And uh, Bryce Young, first 300-yard passing day, two touchdowns, Young. And DJ Shark signed only a one-year contract with the Panthers, and he might be able to cash back in with the Panthers if he's not if he is becoming a favorite target of Bryce Young. But as a Panthers fan, I do like to see Bryce Young taking these steps to actually grow throughout the season. And with the right coaching staff and the right pieces around him, it does look like Bryce Young will be moderately to decently successful in the league. So we'll see if they can get those pieces put into place. But this was a great game that came down to that last second kick. And the Panthers almost tied it on the last play. I, I do think Adam Thielen cost them the game. Um, Adam Thielen did not hand the official the football, and that cost them the extra seconds it took for them to potentially have a game-tying field goal shot. Alex, what did I miss in this matchup? I think that pretty much covered it. I don't know if you talked about Aaron Jones getting over 120 yards in this one, but... Yeah, full uh, workload. I know, and I, I don't know. I just I feel like these are two teams that just quite aren't there yet. Um just aren't quite there yet. Um, I think Bryce Young, I go back and forth on him because I think I think size-wise, that's seriously going to hamper him, his overall upside. But mentally, I think mentally there's a lot of things to like. And when he's able to extend the play, when he's able to avoid pressure, that's when he can actually see the field better and throw down the field. So, I mean, if you can get him in more situations like that, if you can improve the offensive line, get better uh, – more consistent receiving options you can make him somewhat successful i just don't think he's ever going to be a top quarterback in the league um so i i go back and forth between thinking he's probably going to be a journeyman or like a, a solid game manager type i think game manager type which is not necessarily a dig there's a lot of game managers out there that are actually considered pretty good um so you look at dak prescott you look at uh, Brock Purdy, both of whom had maybe disappointing weeks this week, but overall people consider them quality game managers. I think that's what um, Young could potentially live up to on, on the high side, but I just think that there's a lot going against him, like roster talent-wise and height, like physical size-wise. So and this was very encouraging for Panthers fans. Um, I think that this is a very good game, and I don't think that Green Bay's defense is, is anything to uh, – to turn your, your nose up at. So I, I think this is a very solid development uh, for Young this season, and hopefully he can continue. Yeah, I completely agree, and I feel like a lot of quarterbacks are game managers, and we just kind of use it as more of like a, a dig these days. But uh, that's kind of what a lot of quarterbacks are asked to do is manage the game plan. And uh, not everyone can be a Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes where they can go off script and succeed. So I guess that puts everyone else in the game manager category. We can, in the uh, off season, we can do a whole like video on quarterbacks and what we look for and all that stuff. Like we can, we can come up with something like that, I think. But oh, right. But I'm sick of hearing about his size and uh, he's I can't so wait till tiny. he's successful. He's tiny. So what? <laughs> There's been small quarterbacks that have succeeded before. So he will just be another one in that lineage. 
All right. Well, let's move on to uh, the next matchup here, and that is the Colts at the Falcons. Jeff, you went with the Colts. I went with the Falcons. The Falcons did, in fact, win 29-10, to 10, largely benefiting from Pittman being out this week um, for the Colts. And, Jeff, what do we make of these two teams? Are you still in on the Colts making the playoffs? Are you out on the Falcons making the playoffs despite the Falcons beating the Colts? How do you feel about these teams? So I still think Indianapolis sneaks into the playoffs, but I'm a little bit less confident right now. But I do foresee the um, the Colts fighting for a playoff spot in the last two weeks, and they do have not a terrible, not too terrible matchups. They play Vegas, and then they play the Texans the last week, which we don't know what the C.J. Stroud of it all looks like there, as we mentioned earlier. But Pittman, I hated it. Hated the last second scratch. Um, there were already lineup decisions for myself, and I know for you on Saturday uh, that we made before we got the Pittman news, which would have changed some of our lineup decisions. So I kind of blame the Colts on that one. But they say that he re got uh, symptoms for his concussion. Um, but other takeaways in this matchup were um, Bijan got double-digit targets, and he does appear to be the lead dog with Heineke, but but London and Pitts only getting four targets each is unacceptable considering the capital that they spent on them. Um, I just don't see why Heineke, who is typically a gunslinger of a quarterback, isn't getting his two bigger pass options available right now. I don't really have any other takeaways you did get this matchup on me. I think if Pittman was out earlier, I might've felt a little bit differently on this matchup, but uh, you definitely got one up on me here. Cause I did pick the Colts on our last podcast and you picked the Falcons. I think we're a little bit disappointed with Jonathan Taylor too. Would have expected a little bit more from that rushing group. Yeah, absolutely. I did start him in a league, but the rushing touchdown helped for sure. But uh, it does seem like with Pittman out, they were able to stack the box against uh, Jonathan Taylor. So they decided to take away their best option. Okay, well, let's move on to the next matchup. And the next few here, we both got correct. So let's go with the Seattle Seahawks at Tennessee Titans. And we both went Seahawks, and they both narrowly, narrowly won, pulled this one out in the last second. And, man, this it looked like the everything seemed like the Titans were going to have to give up because they had a huge list of injured players, including their best defensive player, their defensive tackle, Simmons. And it looked like the Seahawks were going to run away with this one. but no, uh, Titans were very competitive. Brian Tannehill started this one. He he looked solid, if not great, threw for a touchdown. Um, and he had quite the game uh, with a lot of people thinking that Spears was going to take over at the end of the year since they had nothing to play for. Um, they almost pulled off the upset against the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Geno Smith had up and down game. He finished strong, but he struggled earlier on. He still had zero turnovers with two touchdowns, 220, uh, 227 yards through the air. Kenneth Walker didn't have the game that uh, we hoped for. He only had 54 yards on the ground. Expected him to run away with this one against that banged-up Tennessee Titans defense. Didn't happen. Uh, Tyler Lockett led the receiving yardage for Seattle with, uh, I think, 81 yards here. So Metcalf had the touchdown. Both those guys were usable this week. Um, Seattle looks like they're going to make the playoffs, but they have a couple tough matchups remaining, whereas Tennessee 
plays banged up Houston, who they already lost to next week. So we'll see how that one goes for them. But Jeff, what did I miss in this? Your boy Derrick Henry had a good game. Uh, I know you keep saying he's done, but right after you say he's done, he scores one of his biggest fantasy points of the entire week and against a pretty good Seahawks defense as well. So that was the one thing that they needed to take away, and that's the one thing that they couldn't take away from the Titans in this matchup. And even Henry threw for a touchdown, which he's thrown for two this year. He's thrown for at least one a year the last couple of years, and now it's two this season. So maybe he's got a quarterback. uh, Maybe he'll be a quarterback in his next uh, landing spot after the Titans here. Yeah. Tannehill gets a last-second late season start and this might be his last start of his career too so like i don't know if we'll i don't know if, if anyone will pick up Tannehill as a backup because i think that there's maybe like 50 ish quarterbacks that are better than him and then obviously with the draft there's going to be a lot more quarterbacks that are better than ryan Tannehill. he just doesn't seem to have it anymore and i wonder what this matchup would have looked like if will levis would have been in the uh lineup for the titans here but that was pretty much about it. This game wasn't really that newsworthy. The team that we thought was going to win won, and uh, they didn't win the way that we thought they were going to win. But, uh, hey, even good teams find a way to win it late, even when they're playing pretty pretty poorly, playing, playing down to the competition. Okay, well, let's move on to the next matchup here, which also wasn't very pretty, and that was the Washington Commanders at the New York Jets. We both picked the Jets. The Jets did win. But it was a very, very close 30-28 to 28 victory. And this was a matchup where Sam Howell played so poorly he was benched for Jacoby Brissett, who we thought they were going to start mm-hmm. anyway. They ended up starting Howell for whatever reason. Jacoby Brissett almost won the game for the Commanders. And I think that uh, Terry McLaren would have gotten a little bit more target share if Brissett played the entire game. Uh, but the Jets won, Trevor Simeon starting. Uh, Brees Hall had that phenomenal game where he had almost 200 yards altogether and uh, two touchdowns, 12 receptions. So incredible game for him. Salvageable, salvageable game for Garrett Wilson with nine catches for 76 yards. Um, overall, the Jets played pretty well. Um, they did let up a little bit in the uh, third and fourth quarter, which allowed Washington to almost beat them. But got that game-winning field goal at the end. And Jeff, what do you make of these two teams? Um, are they going to get more wins the rest of the year? Are the commanders going to permanently switch quarterbacks? What do you think is going to happen here? So the Jets have ruled out Zach Wilson for this upcoming game against the Browns. So I do believe the Browns will not allow this to happen again, just considering their defense. Uh, you did mention Brees Hall, but we need to put some respect on his name. He is RB8 on the season, Brees Hall. So he is an RB1, which I did predict, and really close to a first-round pick that I was really close to taking him earlier this season. Derrick Henry is RB6 on the list, just so we're clear on that. Um, but uh, I think Simeon's using Hall and Wilson the way that they're meant to. Wilson got 15 targets, Hall got 16 targets, Brees Hall just went completely off, got the touchdowns as well. Um, I'm a little bit different than you on this here. There's no benefit to starting Brissett over Howell. Brissett's not going to be the starter moving forward. There is no benefit to starting Brissett over Howell at this point in the season. The the, the Washington Commanders, whatever we're calling them right now, uh, they're not going to make the playoffs. There is no benefit to starting Brissett right now other than to get Terry McLaurin a potential extra touchdown or a couple extra targets to help fantasy owners. And that's not really what they're trying to do right now. All right. 
that's all I have on that matchup, Alex. Okay, well, we can move on to the Florida Bowl, and that is the Jaguars at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We both went Buccaneers in this one. Buccaneers demolished Jacksonville 30-12 to in a game where I feel like Trevor Lawrence shouldn't have played. Um, he got knocked out, and C.J. Brethard came in anyway. Brethard looked actually better than Trevor Lawrence did. Maybe they would have had more of a better chance, but Baker Mayfield had another very good game. Uh, Rashad White had a touchdown in this one to salvage his week. Mike Evans had two touchdowns. Chris Godwin had uh, six receptions for 78 yards, so that was worthy of starting. Uh, for Jacksonville, it's really Evan Ingram is the only one that was, well, I guess Calvin Ridley too. Evan Ingram and Calvin Ridley. So Evan Ingram had 10 receptions for 96 yards, and Calvin Ridley had 90 yards, two touchdowns. Those guys made it worthwhile if you started them, whereas Travis Etienne had another disappointing week. Um, Jeff, what do you make of this matchup? Man, it's really hard to make anything with Lawrence leaving. Um, but the Buccaneers did win the matchup. We did predict the Buccaneers to win the matchup. Uh, Ingram, Ridley, Evans, and Godwin, the four main pass catchers in this, did pretty well in this matchup. Um, Evans kind of went off early, which was nice for people that started Evans. And if you have him, you should be starting him, of course. And then we have uh Rashad White who was less efficient in this matchup but he did score a touchdown so he kind of keeps up his RB1ness of the year which he is currently RB3 on the year so he is going to probably be a first second round pick next year um cuz I know people like to pick based on the last year but uh Baker Mayfield is kind of leading the Buccaneers to a division title here and I don't think we're talking about it enough but I don't foresee the saints catching the buccaneers i think this is the buccaneers division to win at this point there's also been whispers of uh, the buccaneers are working on a long-term contract with baker to lock him down they as should. the quarterback of, of the now uh, so I, I agree with you they should because he fits this team pretty well and he's going to lead them to a division title by all means um uh, so I, I think they should and I could see Mike Evans returning if Baker's back as well, because I think that'll be an important piece for Mike Evans in his next deal is playing with a quarterback that he trusts. Not just yeah. a good quarterback, but a quarterback that he trusts. Yeah, unless the Chiefs come calling, then I feel like that would be the only team he would change his tune for. <laughs> what, would you right now, though? Like, <laughs> would you? I think if I was Mike I would Evans, rather play I, for the Bucks now. If I was Mike Evans, I would know I'd be the number one in Kansas City. Over Kelsey? Kelsey is Rice has taken off. I so, think Rice and is I know, a wide receiver too. I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's a, a real wide receiver one. But he has exceeded all expectations for a first year wide receiver in Kansas City. They they said yep. it couldn't be done. They they said it took a while to sink into that offense. But he's he's that. done the best. It's not just me. <laughs> it, a lot of people said that. Anyway, we'll keep. I haven't pegged as wide Evans. receiver one going into the year, so. But yeah, Mike Evans would be a nice fit there. It would look really nice. But uh, he's older. Kelsey's older, so they would have like an older offensive uh, weapon room. But we'll keep track of all that stuff going into the offseason. We can move on to our next matchup here. The ever-exciting Cardinals at Chicago Bears matchup. Uh, Jeff, you went with the Cardinals. I went with the Bears, and the Bears pulled this one off. Looked a little sloppy doing it, but uh, I got the victory here with the Bears winning. 27-16, and Jeff, what do we make of these two teams? Uh, I know that you love yourself some Kyler Murray, but Fields got the victory in this one. Uh, although, yeah, 
I will give you, Herbert finally showed up for the first time this year. So I'm sure you love that. Yeah, that was a last-second scratch of Foreman, so I don't really know what happened there. We haven't really gotten a ton of details on that. But Fields and the Bears win, but I don't think Fields was that impressive, at least not through the air. He did rush the ball a lot. Um, DJ Moore doesn't show up, and I, I think that is because he's not 100% right now, so that made Cole Komet be the lead receiver right now. But on the Arizona side of the football, it's really weird to have James Conner leading the Cardinals in receiving. You don't really want that to happen, especially with younger receivers like Michael Wilson. And I know Marquise Brown was out in this matchup, but I don't know. Kyler's got to get something going with somebody soon. Uh, it does appear that the only receiver that he had any like consistent chemistry with was DeAndre Hopkins. But uh, yeah, it's really confusing what the Cardinals are doing right now because they might end up with a top two pick in this draft and they have a decision at quarterback or a decision at wide receiver to make, which could be Marvin Harrison Jr. If he does declare for the draft, which there is a lot of rumors and a lot of smoke around him returning to Ohio next year. So we'll see what happens with that as well. Um, Anything I missed on this matchup, Alex? Roshan's still the receiving back. So, I mean, there's that for Chicago, but Khalil Herbert had (laughs) one of his best uh, games of his career, let alone this season. He hasn't been employed much this season. But Chicago looks like they're going to be competitive for the rest of the year and potentially competitive next year, whether they keep Justin Fields or move on to a new quarterback. I think they move on to a new quarterback, and that's only to restart the rookie clock because I think paying Fields would be a grave mistake at this point. I think both these teams, I think Cardinals and Bears, both move on from both their quarterbacks. And Murray's proven that he can win the division, and he's won the division in a tough division. So I think that we forget that Murray has success and playoff success as well. So I think he's been in the league long enough people figured him out. So we'll see. All right. All right. Now to move on to the Cowboys and Dolphins matchup. It's one that we both picked the Cowboys. We thought it would be a little bit better of a match all, all the way around, but the Dolphins ended up pulling it out at home. And uh, Cowboys away, lose streak continues on. Dolphins have officially broken their streak of losing to good teams. So Dolphins got out of their funk first. Jeff, what do you think of this matchup? So it wasn't what we expected, the last second kick from the Dolphins to win the game um, in a low-scoring matchup where there was less than 40, or there was just over 40 points scored in this matchup. So this was a matchup where we could have seen each team score 40 points easily, but that was not the case. The running games for both teams were not existent at all. And that is kind of surprising giving Mostert and Pollard had been pretty decent as of late. Um, but on the receiving side, Hill and Lamb do dominate their teams in receiving targets and yards. So that is good to see because those are probably going to be first round picks in 2024. And that is just something we need to keep an eye on as we are trying to get nail down our top 12, our first round of 2024. But I do foresee both of them being a potential first round selection. But Jalen Waddle injured. I do think this really hurts the Dolphins because this allows them, this slows them down a little bit. And it can, um, it can look like um, a little bit slower. He'll get more attention. And I just can, I can see this being a damaging injury down the stretch. They do play the Ravens next week. We'll get to the Ravens a little bit later, but uh, that'll be a good matchup. But I do foresee the Dolphins dropping next week's matchup, which would make the last week of the season, as long as the Bills can take care of the Patriots next week, 
for the division title. And if they don't get a, a home game, that really impacts the Dolphins negatively moving forward. So anything I missed in this matchup, Alex? Yeah, I think Waddle has a high ankle injury sprain, like a high ankle sprain. So uh, <laughs> I, I think that uh, he's out for the last two weeks. And I think they'll rest him for playoffs. I think the Dolphins are making the playoffs regardless. But like you said, the Bills will probably take the division title. Uh, but I think the Dolphins will play it safe with their receiving options at this point. But that's it. We can move on oh, to great. the New England Patriots at the Denver Broncos. and uh, Last Sunday matchup, yep. Yeah, not exactly what we thought was going to happen here. We both went Denver and New England pulled off the offset, which means that the Chicago Bears look like they're locked in for the number one overall pick from the Panthers. Uh, as it stands right now, yes, there's two weeks to go, so maybe that'll change, but it's not looking good. It's not looking good for your Panthers giving up that pick, but New England, surprising Denver. Denver seemed like they fell apart in this one, Jeff. Was there anything salvageable about this week? Oh, man. Uh, there was nothing great about the Broncos in this matchup. Um Wilson didn't look great. I mean, his stats look actually better than he played. Um, Sutton being out, I do think hurt him because I do think Sutton was his go-to receiver. Judy just stinks. Like, I don't know if there's a way to put it other than that. Judy is just not good. Um, but, uh, it does look like they're trying to get Marvin Mims going and Marvin Mims did show flashes, but he did have a turnover on special teams where, he actually cost them the points and probably the game if we look at everything all together here. And Douglas, um, Douglas actually took off here and uh, started to look like he could be a number one receiver or at least a number two receiver for this team moving forward. And the the run game, not good in this one. I think I feel like this is a running theme in games this season is that the run game for teams is just isn't good. And I think it's hurting the teams on an overall level. Anything I missed in that matchup, Alex? Oh, boy. Um, I just feel terrible for Denver fans out there because they traded for Russell Wilson last year. They traded for Sean Payton this year. And it's not gone exactly how people thought it would play out. I agree with you. Jerry Judy's pretty terrible. And I think it's it's kind of funny in a not-ha-ha way, but funny that he was taking the same draft class as CeeDee Lamb and Justin Jefferson. He was taken before those two receivers, and he's just not panned out. Like, the only only wide receiver worse would be Henry Ruggs at this point, who was taken before Jerry Judy. So that AFC West is not good about taking wide receivers in the first round in general of late. But uh, I think that the Broncos still have uh, enough to retool for next draft and next offseason and be better for next year. But it, it, this year is just not their year. And New England has proven that they are a, a spoiler team, that they will be here to knock out teams from playoff contention. So that's pretty much all I've, I took away from this matchup. Yeah, I just, uh, I, I mean, I, I feel like that signifies that Bill will not be part of the team going forward because it feels like he would be trying for that number one overall pick if he was because he's very strategic like that. I thought nobody tanks, Jeff. Uh, I think Bill is a different cat, and I think that they would have left Mac Jones out there if they were trying to... Like, you can't have players tank because players are going to try their hardest every... But you can decide... Like, he put out the better quarterback. He could have put out the worst of the two quarterbacks. And I don't know if Mac Jones pulls off this game that ba Bailey Zappi did, so 
This is how I feel about Mac Jones at this current moment, even though Bill O'Brien gave him a vote of confidence this week going in, into the future for Mac Jones. Okay. Well, let's, we got three more matchups, so we can move on to the Christmas Day matchups, the Monday matchups. And the first one was the Las Vegas Raiders at the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead. And Las Vegas pulled off the upset. Uh, we both went Chiefs for this one, but the Raiders did, in fact, win 20-14. to 14. Uh, Aiden O'Connell didn't do much in this one. 62 passing yards um, off, off of those 20 throws. <laughs> <laughs> but everything everything came down to the rushing attack and defense. So Zamir White, yep. 22 rushes, 145 yards on the ground, which is pretty incredible. Um, and the Raiders' defense just destroyed Patrick Mahomes. I mean, really, they're the basically the sole reason why the Raiders won. Uh, Kansas City just continues to struggle this entire year, and I don't think it's going to get any better at this point. Uh, they had Isaiah Pacheco, but Patrick Mahomes led the team in rushing, which... It's not what you want, and uh, it wasn't a receiver that got over 60 yards. It wasn't a receiver that got over six receptions for the Chiefs. So, Jeff, what did the Chiefs do from here? Are, are they an early out playoff exit? They could be. They might not even get a home game to start the playoffs. I think they will, but they're not going to the, – the whole playoffs will not go through Arrowhead this year. That is almost a certainty at this point. So, there is that, and – I also believe that their struggles will continue throughout the year here as well. But Zamir White might be the 2024 starter for the Chiefs. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. Or not the Chiefs, sorry, the Raiders into 2024. So that means they can move off of Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs could go find a new team. But Zamir White did enough in this game to get a shot with the Raiders for 2024. And the Chiefs starters just aren't doing well. You know me. I know you believe that Kelsey's done. He's getting old. He's done. I believe he's never recovered from the injury that he had to start off the year. And this is just a throwaway year for Kelsey right now. All right. Anything I missed? No, I think that's it. We can move on to the next matchup. And that is the New York Giants at the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Giants were close to coming back and tying up that game, but they ended up losing 33 to 25. And we both picked the Eagles on this one. So we both got it correct. DeVito got benched at halftime, Jeff. And I'm not sure that that, actually helped the Giants. I kind of feel like DeVito was the better quarterback and they would have had a better chance to, to win if they just kept him in. I know, what? You're at me, I know you're looking at me like I'm crazy, but he didn't turn the ball over and Tyrod Taylor did. And that was uh, a major detractor. But the, yeah, despite putting up 33 points, I don't think the Eagles look that great. Uh, am I wrong? Like the Eagles still don't look that great. They don't. But I think you're completely wrong on the Tyrod versus DeVito thing. DeVito is just done. Like, he's toast at this exact point. Um, so basically what that looks like, um, so Tyrod had to throw, had to force throws for the hole that DeVito put them in. So it's not like, it's not like both aren't, like, connected to each other. And, and turnovers aren't bad. And you And I know that we argue about this all the time. They just aren't bad if you're trying to force the ball down the field. Like, like, there was a last play of the game last night or uh, yesterday. I think it was yesterday where a quarterback threw a pick to end the game. And Hey, that's not a bad turnover. You got to get the ball out and into the end zone. It's, it's a turnover, but yes, it's giving your team a shot to potentially get the ball. But Tyrod made some good throws and he actually brought them back and they were actually much closer 
than they should have been in this matchup because of that. I think they would have got smoked with DeVito in there, if I'm being honest. I think I don't think he has much help because the one big ticket player, Darren Waller, has done nothing this year. Nothing with any quarterback. So that's fine. But why did Tyrod yeah, look so good and DeVito didn't yesterday? I mean I thought I thought DeVito looked okay. I just thought Tyrod got lucky with Slayton breaking off a big playoff of a mediocre pass. But I, I'm not poo-pooing on Tyrod Taylor. I think he's a solid backup quarterback. But I think people yeah. are just overreacting to Tommy DeVito. Like, do you want Tommy DeVito as your full-time starter next year? No way. But I think people are a little bit overreacting to, to that play. I just think he has no help. And Tyrod is a more mobile quarterback, and that offensive line might be one of the worst offensive lines in the league. So we'll see. We'll see. But, they, but I think Dable has more than saved his job this year with the work with DeVito and Taylor. So I don't know, man. I think I think they should move job. on. They're not going to. He's a great coach. Why would you ever move on from a great coach? I don't know if he's a great coach. You literally just said that there's two quarterbacks that have nothing to do with here, and he's put together wins that look like a high school football team to begin off the to start off the year. So you can't have it both ways on this one. I mean, we'll see, but I'm not sure that Dable's the the guy. He is. I'm confident okay, on well, that one. So let's move on to the last matchup of the week, and that was the Baltimore Ravens in San Francisco at the 49ers. Oh, we both went 49ers, and Brock Purdy had one of the worst games of his career, four interceptions, um, zero touchdowns, was benched for, for Sam Darnold at the end. Chris McCaffrey, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk all had good games, but uh, they just couldn't do it. And... Uh, I think that the Ravens have solidified the number one spot in the AFC, if not officially, it, by all practicality, I think that they have. So it was just Lamar Jackson and uh, Zay Flowers, in my opinion, that got the offense for the Raiders. I know Gus Edwards had a few solid plays as well and a touchdown. But Jeff, what do you make of this matchup? Man, the Ravens looked really good in this matchup. Uh, I know there was a few... Uh, big injuries. Purdy leads the way. Trent Williams leads the way on that one. Uh, I think the Ravens lost one of their big defensive players as well. But Darnold replaced Purdy in this matchup. I don't know how else to put it. Purdy did not look good. I think Purdy lost his shot to be the MVP with this performance right here. Um, but uh, Purdy could have went back in the game and they still went with Darnold who threw for a touchdown and had them in a spot to get another touchdown late. But just which tells me in my head that Shanahan believes any one of his quarterbacks can win the game. Just they're kind of interchangeable to him. Like they all have like the similar same skill set, And uh, that that's kind of what that told to me because he even had chemistry with Ayuk. Uh, I would never even be shocked if Mac Jones goes there next year, if they trade for him and they just have three quarterbacks that are kind of the same quarterback and can do all the same stuff. Um, but uh I do believe Purdy will start next week. Like, I don't think this is like a job losing performance or anything like that. He does have the stinger. One thing's for sure. Unless Purdy's like really close to hundred percent, he does not play well. His worst games this year have been when he was either concussed or coming off the concussion or uh, the stinger right now. So his worst games come when he's injured. So he does need to have the wind blowing the right way for him in order to be a successful quarterback. Do you believe that he's out of the MVP conversation at this point now? Probably. I don't think he and Dak, deserve the MVP at this point, but it's hard to pinpoint who does. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. I think I, everyone should hold sorry. off until the end of the year and, and actually wait for everything to play out. I think it's a three-man race right now, if I'm being honest. 
I think it's between Lamar and um, CMC and uh, Josh Allen as well. If Josh Allen sweeps the rest of the games and they end up taking their division, it should absolutely be Josh Allen. Yeah. So, and I think he's a dark horse that no one saw coming into late in the year because no one was talking about him weeks ago as an MVP candidate. So, I love the dark horses swooping in. All right. Well, I think that wraps everything up. That does it for another episode of the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast. Thank you all for downloading or listening to this episode. And please don't forget to like and subscribe. Please leave us a comment and share the show. Every little bit helps. You can find us on all podcasting apps by searching N2E Fantasy and with our handle at N2E Fantasy on all social media platforms. Please join our community and give us a follow. Until next time, take care of yourselves and remember, it's truly never too early for fantasy football. Thank you again. Hi, everybody.